0: I'm Chip Freund, and this is the Artist Spotlight, conversations with contemporary artists based on five simple questions that explore the artist's journey, creativity, and sources of inspiration. Welcome to another episode of the Artist Spotlight podcast. I'm Chip Freund, and today I'm joined by Jeanette Stevenson. Jeanette is a ceramic artist based in Raleigh. Jeanette, welcome to the show. Hi, Chip. Glad we could pull this together. Before we dive into our five questions, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about a project maybe you've just finished or something you're currently working on?
1: Well, I just spent a week and a half in May down in the Seagrove area, participating in a wood fire conference in STAR and then firing kilns in the Seagrove area. I was lucky enough to get to fire three different wood kilns um, with Ben Owen and a partner and Sid Luck and just the the camaraderie of the group and being with wood fire artists again, because I hadn't done it since college or just after college was a fabulous experience. And then the international conference that occurred at the end of that week with wood fire artists from all over the country and from Japan and England uh, was just fabulous to get some of the information that people were sharing about the process.
0: Excellent. For those not familiar with the ceramics world, what makes a, uh, a piece fired in a wood fired kiln versus, say, an electric kiln different?
1: Well, in an electric kiln, the, the heat just builds naturally throughout the kiln all at the same time and then cools down all at the same time. Whereas in a wood kiln, you are actually having a flame that travels through the kiln. And that flame will create different color patterns. And as the piece is fired, it will also deposit ash that is created from burning the wood on the pieces, which will affect the glaze. Sometimes it causes the glaze to run. Um, a lot of wood fire artists do not apply a lot of glaze because of all the different colors that are created by just the flame itself traveling through that. Canal.
0: Fascinating. Well, thank you for that little bit of information. Well, as uh, each one of our episodes uh, really centers around our five questions, uh, let's move on into that. Uh, What is your earliest memory of making art of any kind?
1: So probably my earliest memory. I have kind of two. I was probably five. And I remember my father like showing me how to draw with crayons and do like little stick figure people. And then me wanting to emulate and do what he was doing. Um, I think before that it was just, I was just coloring blobs, you know, without creating any shapes. But I I remember that, that memory sticks with me. Um, And then in the sandbox, I used to, you know, try to sculpt things, get the, the sand wet or being down at the beach, and, and, you know, making sandcastles. And, you know, I consider that art making as well.
0: All right. All right. So as we've already touched on your, your current medium is clay. Um, what brought you to that media and why?
1: So like throughout my high school time, it was all 2d um, that I did when we were supposed to do clay Uh The school system put air conditioning in the building and blocked off the ventilation to the kiln. So we couldn't fire it. So I never got to do clay in high school. (laughs) But when I went to college at UNC uh, in Chapel Hill, I took a class in sculpture. And that was the the second time I had ever done clay. Um, The first time I was in sixth grade and, you know, I, I remember parts of it, but definitely, When I was doing the clay in college is when it really spoke to me as something that I wanted to continue. And then when I transferred to ECU and the ceramics program they have there was phenomenal. And when I, especially once I learned how to use the wheel, I really became enamored with what you can do with clay. And the biggest thing that I love about clay is the fact that you take this soft, malleable material and you can make just about anything with it and then it gets fired and it's hard, but I especially like it when things still look soft, you know, even though it's transformed into now this, you know, this material that lasts forever. I mean, what we know about a lot of Greek and Roman history and the Egyptians is from these pots that they made, and especially the Native Americans in this country is, you know, we find their garbage piles of their old pot shards you know that last forever because they're part of the earth and they've been fired or transformed into this rock-like substance. So that's that's what jazzes me the most about clay.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, there, there's a real permanence to it, but at the same time, having broken my share of uh, pots and coffee mugs, there's also a fragility. So there's, a, yeah. to me, there's always that interesting play that it's permanent, but it's not. Permanent in the, you know, fully formed form.
1: Right. Right. It can break. It can, uh, <laughs> it can end up becoming parts of other things. Those <laughs> uh, have been done using pot shards.
0: <laughs> okay this leads naturally i think into our our next question and that is you know what inspires your art where does it come from you you've created you know usable items a lot of times it's often usable uh, but they take on different shapes sometimes thrown sometimes molded where where do these things come from
1: so you know that was probably my hardest question to answer um i i thought a lot about it and it really just comes from my life i think Um, it, it focuses on the things that I love and I love the idea of somebody taking something that I've made and using it, um, to bring a little joy or bring a little life into their every day. Um, I love color. I've always loved color. When I was, you know, young, it was always give me the box with all the crayons that, that, you know, 64 colors, I want the, the eight pack. Um, and, and having those kinds of bright colors, and that is one thing that I've been told in my work that um, people really like, because some sometimes potters can lot on brown, <laughs> and I like bringing a lot other colors in. Um, then the hosta leaf pieces, you know, I just I've loved gardening since I was a young kid. My father had a big garden when we were growing up. And the five years I lived in Iowa, I got introduced to hosta plants and the variety that they come in from the itty little leaf to great big, huge leaves. And and they have such a great vein structure that taking that and pressing it into the clay so that you get the effect of the leaf. Even some of the leaves are thick and leathery and you can kind of see some of that puckering um, in the impressions that I'm doing. And then sculpting that leaf so it's not just a flat thing, but really has some movement to it. Um, and again, it's that that play of something that looks kind of soft and malleable, but you know, it's a hard um, surface. And um, And then I've got a series running around in my head right now that I kind of started thinking about back in 2013, but this trip that I did to Italy recently, has re-inspired it. I want to do something involving architecture in Europe and Mm -hmm. sort of creating these windows into the culture of these environments. So I've I've taken a bunch of pictures and now I need to do some sketches and and kind of flush the ideas out. But um, I don't know. It's just very inspiring to see, you know, our country's so young. And when I went to London and you building that was built in the 1200s sitting next to a building that was built in like 2007 in the same city Just amazing to see that history and history is always you know kind of inspired me because what a lot of what we know about history is because of art that was left behind so Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of that whole coming together
0: (laughs) so will this series be sort of representational or a more abstract interpretation.
1: I think that the uh, the architectural inspired piece the sort of the framing itself would be more representational. Um, you know, I'll probably combine a couple of different buildings into one and then creating a window that we get into parts of the culture that will probably be more abstract and it's going to be a multimedia um collection of things. And I may even do some painting and
0: <laughs> very cool. Oh, you know, so here's an example of you know something you've been ruminating on, but then a trip helps right. further inspire it and inform it.
1: Yes. And and that can tie into the um an artist that I would recommend. <laughs> My high school art teacher was Bob Rankin, who is a well-known painter in the Raleigh area. And he has been a huge inspiration in my life. Um, just not just, I've kind of followed a similar path where he was an art teacher and now he just works professionally as an artist. And um, and he was always inspired by his travels. Um, every summer, after summer, we'd come back to school, and there would usually be a slide presentation by him on where he went that summer, and what artwork he did, or what artwork he got commissioned to do there. And that definitely was very inspiring to me um, as a younger, you know, person coming up in art and looking at what do I want to do. I want to do art in my life always, but how can I make some money? <laughs> how can yeah. I be yeah.
0: successful? <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear
1: that check was a good thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that story about your art teacher sharing his art career with you, because I was um, on an earlier episode. I was interviewing um, Lynn Miller Jones, who ha- is an oil painter out of Chicago, also happens to be a, a dear friend of mine going all the way back to elementary school. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, we hadn't seen each other really since our 20th high school reunion, but I get off track but she and i shared some of the same art teachers of course coming up and i was very much a late life artist she had a, a draw into it very early but one of the things we both realized is we didn't know the two most influential art teachers we had middle school and high school were working artists because they didn't share that right they simply taught in class yeah. And it was only later in life as we find out that they were working artists, one of them owned a gallery.
1: Right. Um,
0: and it was just frustrating that, you know, that was not part of what got shared. Right. So I'm really pleased to hear that, that you got a, a glimpse of that because kids today, if they don't get a glimpse of somebody making a life as an artist, don't view that that's a life for them.
1: Right. Exactly. And and I was always sharing what I did with my student, the way same way that that Bob had shared with his. And I suppose, you know, probably for some of your instructors, like it was trying to keep, you know, school life and personal life separate. Yeah, Uh, but when it's when you're making a living as a teacher and you're making a living as an artist, like you're still making a living and definitely share that information. And for me, I know. I felt that my students like paid attention a little bit more to me because I didn't just go to school to learn how to teach other people how to do this, that I was actually doing what I was talking about. And that is a huge value in the classroom, especially nowadays.
0: Yeah, no, I hear here to that. Really across any discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Is to bring real life experience to, to the classroom. So as we're talking now about young artists still in school and it could be someone starting their art career later in life what advice would you give to an artist starting out
1: um definitely learn everything you can about what is your inspirational media i mean you can always learn more things about other things but i know when i first got my bachelor's as an art education person because i came so late to clay I decided to postpone going into being a teacher so that I could go study Claymore in graduate school. I didn't finish graduate school, because my father got sick and I ended up coming back um, and trying to help out. But the extra information that I learned, firing more kilns and being with other, being in another school, um, I think there's, it's very good to go to, different schools when you're like, if you're wanting to do bachelor's and master's, because I think if you stay at the same school, your bachelor's and your master's, what new things are you learning? Because you have the same professors mostly, you know, I think you really need to move and go someplace else to really get, you know, get another perspective, get another, you know, I got a lot more different feedback um by going to penland and then also then going out to the university of iowa so that is always continuing to learn about your your craft um and then ask questions like if if there is someone who is successful and ask them how they got successful what did they do um you know i had bob rankin to ask some of that information too and and he and i have been friends since i graduated high school and so that has been a gift for me. But you know, if you don't have that kind of person, especially if you're older coming to art, you know, go see the other people that do the same thing that you do and go to those opening receptions and talk to the artist about how they got going and how they got started. Because that useful, that information is invaluable and you, you can't really get it any other way than really talking to somebody.
0: I think that's, that's some sage wisdom. One thing I'm kind of curious is how important do you find the the BFA and MFA to being an artist?
1: Um, I think the MF, the BFA was good for me. I, I needed, obviously, if I'm being an art teacher, I had to have a college degree. Um, getting a BFA rather than a B.A. meant that I took more classes, more art classes. And that gave me more opportunities to learn more things like I took a sculpture class where I learned how to weld, you know, and and also pour aluminum, which was a great experience. I took a woodworking class. So, you know, definitely as a teacher, those additional classes helped me help students more throughout my career um, teaching. Um, MFA. If you want to teach in college, that was why I was really going to learn more about clay and to learn more about wood firing, um, but also to look at getting a a degree to be able to teach at the college level, which you can't do with a BFA. Um, But, you know, life happens and things change. I I know Bob Rankin, he did not get an MFA and he has been a very successful artist um, throughout his history. A buddy of mine, Ben Owen, down in Seagrove. He and I were at we were together getting. We graduated together with our BFA, and rather than getting an MFA, he elected to go to Japan and do um, research and firing of kilns over there. I think he spent a couple of weeks to a month over there. So, you know, use. It's important to continue to learn. I don't know that you have to go to college to do it there are other paths depending upon what it is that you're wanting to learn more about. And like for Ben, he wanted to, his grandfather had fired with a groundhog kiln and he wanted to build an anagama and an aborigama and those are Japanese kilns. So he went to Japan to learn from the masters.
0: Yeah. I I think the key, and I would completely agree is the continually learning. Um, Is that that's also what sort of keeps the creativity going too? The more you learn, even if it's outside of your current media, it can inform your media and your creative approach.
1: Yeah, I took a multimedia class with uh, Dean Johns down in Charlotte a few years ago, and really got excited about taking three-dimensional objects and creating basically a collage with them. I'd never. You know, you think a collage, it's all paper, drawings, paintings glued on top of each other. Never thought about, oh, it could be a three-dimensional thing as well. And and part of that, you know, I ended up, I made, I got third place at the State Fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yay! And, um, and that piece also kind of worked into this whole architectural idea that i'm working on now because this this window box is going to create the three-dimensional space to put things in so yeah i need i can't wait to do some work on my sketches
0: (laughs) all righty well the the last question you've already previewed it a little bit with bob rankin uh what are there other artists that you think we should go check out
1: well um you know Ben Owen definitely is uh sort of the epitome of the successful potter, like he took yeah you know, his grandfather you know kind of got things started for him, but he took that business and grown it um you know the his the house that he built and and all the stuff that he's got going on. You know, just shows how successful you can be with your artwork. And you know, he's definitely like Bob Rankin. Both of them just have our high energy and are always creating. Um, and if you want to be a successful artist, that is something you've got to be able to embrace. If if you're not making work all the time, you're gonna have you're gonna to struggle to be successful. Um, and then being able to to self promote, but the I love the whole area of Seagrove and a lot of the potters there that are living, you know, their dream of working with clay and people come and buy their work. And and I'm finally, you know, feeling that dream, too.
0: (laughs) Well, cool. All righty. and we're we're coming to the end of our time here, but I want to make sure that folks can uh, can see your work. So certainly, first of all, the Cary Gallery of Artists, where you and I are both member artists, is a good place to check things out. I believe you're also at the uh, NC Art Museum's gift shop uh, here in Raleigh and uh, the Creative Exchange in Rollsville. And of course, folks can find you out in cyberspace at potsbyjnet.com. And as always, I will have links in the show notes to all of uh, Jeanette's stuff, as well as to the uh, artists that she recommended to us. Again, Jeanette, thank you for being on the show. This has been real fun.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Chip.
0: All righty. Tune in next time for another episode of the Artist Spotlight, where we feature the work of a contemporary artist. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Artist Spotlight with Chip Freund. Find accompanying blog posts at chipfroinfoto.com slash blog. And you may subscribe to our show on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like listening.